Well, I appreciate John and his wife and what they're doing, and I also look forward to getting behind uh, things that are going on and needs that are uh, needing to be met. Why don't we take... No, we won't do that. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. How many know that we're about ready to enter, I think, as of tomorrow, a fast? Tuesday. Okay, I'm, thank you, honey. Correcting me on many things. Um, March 1st. That's what wives are good for. They can keep you honest about money laundering and, and, and the right dates. We're going to start a fast March 1st to April 9th. How many are excited to fast with us today? How many don't have a clue what fasting is? Raise your hand. Okay, we got one or two. That's good. All right, well, we hope to clear um, some things up, and we hope that as a congregation, we'll be able to enter this fast together. Come on, somebody say together. 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 Say it again, together. together. All right. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. I'm, I'm so thankful that I get to speak about fasting, and it's probably for reasons that, um, well, you could probably laugh at. I don't like fasting. I just don't like it. I don't come by it easy, and that could be, you know, kind of used against me, because uh, I often preach about things that I'm not good about, not good at doing, and it's because uh, I love just speaking the truth and the word of God over my own life, and you know, many of you don't know, but our pastors are your pastors here at Hilltop. We're not perfect. We have the same struggles. We put our boots and pants on the same way. We, uh, we, we have the same emotional, uh, you know, ups and downs as you do. And man, if I could just attest to the fact that I am not good at fasting. Come on, how many are with me? I hope that makes it just a little bit easier for people who struggle. I know some of you really religious people, it's no problem for you. You got this right, 40 days. You know, you're, you're probably going to give like a telephone calls with your mom back home, right? It's like, I'm going to fast talking to my mom. No, that's not, it's not necessarily what we're looking for. But it, it's not easy, is it? And I kind of want to identify with the struggle because it's my hope that, you know, it's just not a select few of us joining in or entering into this fast, my hope is that we all as a community, both J-Hop and Hilltop, will be able to enter in this. We've been praying, I think, for the last week, one well, my prayer sets at least, for just a grace to rest upon our community for fasting. You know, um, that uh, that's what started well will finish well. You know, how many start good but don't necessarily finish well, especially when it comes to fasting? Yeah, amen. We got one honest person in the back. Praise the Lord. Uh, but that's... That's pretty typical of me, and, and you know, the good thing about it is we have the grace of God, so we're able to hit delete, re-sign back up, and get back on the track. But turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. I have to be honest, I have to give my wife the credits, uh, the cred for um, this verse and the way I'm going to use it today, because our last fast, she actually was the one who kind of interjected this scripture. She didn't speak about it in detail, but she did, in, she did put it out there, and I don't know. I mean, I've spoken about fa- I've spoken on the topic of fasting a lot, but I've never really have seen it from this objective or this perspective that I hope to give this morning. And it came from my wife, so I can't take the creds for it, unfortunately. And I have no problem with that. I love just praising my beloved. Uh, she's a gift to this body, and uh, we're lucky to have her. We are lucky and blessed to have her. And so. 
going forward, Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. One little verse. One little verse. Before we read, let's pray. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I'm not really good at faking it, you know, until I can make something of it. So I would ask you to pray for me because you want to get something out of this. And I want to give something to our congregation this morning. Father, we invite you here. We know that you're already here, but Lord, we pray, God, upon this message, you would breathe life. And God, somehow, some way, uh, Lord, that you would make it applicable, Lord, that we would be able to apply it to our own lives and our own journey in fasting these 40 days. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, he says, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. Let me read that again. The days will come, meaning they're not there yet when Jesus is saying this. They'll come They're somewhere in the future when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast. There's kind of three words, not three words. I mean, one's a cluster and two of them are just by themselves. But there's kind of three themes that I want to focus in here on this particular text. And, I, and what I mean by focus is I want to clearly define them and articulate the meaning because I think it will help us better understand. You know, I've been guilty of talking mainly about the rewards that come when we fast. That's not bad. I'm so grateful that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and those who sincerely fast. But I can't just start there. It's not a good starting place to mainly just think about the rewards that come in fasting. I have to get more of a foundation. I believe what Jesus says here in the Gospels are foundational towards fasting. And so there's three kind of characters that I want to pull out from this text. And it's uh, one is the days will come or those days kind of identifying what are those days. Why do I say that? Because most people believe that those days were between the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so this narrative has been kind of hijacked to make excuses, I think, in the body of Christ for us not fasting. And the real subject is, is fasting an old, a New Testament principle? Is it something that we do as New Testament believers? So I want to kind of define that. I wouldn't assume that we're all on the same page today about this particular subject, much like many in the Bible. And so it's my heart to clear up the air so that we can join in together and any kind of bad doctrine, come on, can be kind of done away with. So I want to kind of define the days that will come or those days I want to define and give a little bit of insight into the bridegroom. Again, another assumption is that we all know, and I I get it. There's probably a large percentage of us here today that understand who the bridegroom is. Some of us are scared of the bridegroom because it means we're in some kind of relationship with Jesus. But I want to define those things, and I want to get to the heart of who them are in this text. Can I do that? Who are these people that Jesus is talking about? That in a day that will come, they will fast. There's a book that I stumbled across. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. Not necessarily a popular title in 2016, I guess, if you want to sell books. But I love the book. 
And um, it was written by a man named Richard Foster. And he, in a chapter, uh, he wrote about fasting. He um, kind of even more specifically focused on uh, the words of Jesus in nine, uh, Matthew 9, excuse me, 15. And he says this uh, quote about Jesus' statement. He said, that is perhaps, Matthew 9, 15, is perhaps the most important statement in the New Testament on whether Christians should fast today. Let me read that again. He says this, Matthew chapter 9, 15 is perhaps the most important statement in the New Testament on whether Christians should fast today. If that's so, then let all of us pay close attention to the words of Jesus. We can't just, if that's true, we just can't just glaze over the text. We have to kind of get into this verse and, and kind of unpack it, if you would, so that we can build off a right foundation. How many want to build upon a good foundation in this fast? How many want to start well and finish well? I know I do. And, and the only way that I think that I can accomplish, this, accomplish that is if I understand foundation what the scripture says about fasting. And so keep in mind, we're looking to define three themes, if you would, or three characters in, not people, but um, in the text of Matthew chapter 9, 15. This was, or this remark came from a question that was asked Jesus in verse 14. Let's turn there. Are you there in your Bibles? It will be on the overhead, but um, if you have your word before you through tablets or just regular paper, uh, open it up and see it for yourself. In verse 14 of chapter 9, Jesus was asked this. Hold on one second. Okay. Jesus was asked, why don't his disciples fast like John the Baptist in the Pharisees? It's not the right translation. I'll put that there uh, that I'm using in my notes. So Jesus was asked by one of John's disciples simply the question, why don't Jesus, your disciples, fast like John's, like the Pharisees? That right there is a bad pitch anyways. You know, like the Pharisees, who wants to do anything like those guys? But anyways, the question was asked, and Jesus replied with this. He says, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating the groom? Let me read that again. Jesus' first initial reply to that question is, do wedding guests uh, mourn while celebrating the groom? Two things that I want to take away from that opening statement in the beginning of verse 15 Two things that I believe Jesus teaches us right there in those words is that fasting was by and large, you have to understand, associated with mourning in the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to teach a little bit today. So if you have a problem with teaching, I'm sorry. Uh, You're just going to have to tune in, kind of just get your brain working and track because I think there's something in here for us. A lot of us like to just be preached at and yelled at, but I'm going to just kind of speak to you, maybe a little bit yelling. Don't get too concerned because I I get happy about the gospel sometimes. But two things that I think Jesus teaches us in his opening reply um, is that one Fasting up until this point was associated with mourning. That's important for us to understand. Why? Because there's a new fast that's required from Jesus from the point of his resurrection. Okay? Um, It was an expression in the Old Testament of brokenheartedness and desperation. 
usually over sin or something, uh, or some kind of danger that was approaching or uh, threatening a city or a nation. Um, two, the Messiah has come. That's the second thing. The Messiah has come, uh, and in his coming is like the coming of a bridegroom to a wedding feast. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, fellas, this is just too good. We, why, we're not going to fast now. The bridegroom is here. <laughs> we're going to celebrate. So it's just, we can't mingle it with this morning, this Old Testament understanding, this Old Testament kind of uh, residue of what fasting meant. There's a new fast that's required. Remember, Jesus didn't get rid of it because he said the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away that they will fast. So he's not marginalizing it. He's not kind of reducing it and saying we don't fast. He's just simply saying, listen, it's not that time. We're going to celebrate because everything that has been spoken about in the Old Testament about me, the bridegroom, not me, Daryl, but me, the bridegroom, is here. It's before you. It's now. Hello, here I am. Let's break out the wedding cake. Let's get the drinks going. Come on. Let's party is what Jesus is saying. But in and of itself, Jesus is making a tremendous claim about himself in the text. Remember in the Old Testament, God had pictured himself as a husband. You guys just aren't listening. He had pictured himself as a husband of his people Israel. Think of texts like Isaiah 62, verse 4. Jeremiah 2, verse 2. Jeremiah 3.20. Ezekiel 6.18. Hosea 2.19. And the list goes on. God pictures himself as a husband to his people. And here Jesus is really in this scripture picturing himself as the same. The son of God, the Messiah has come and he claims to be the bridegroom. And he is that husband of the people of God. And essentially Jesus is like, here I am. Your husband, the one Isaiah spoke about, the one Hosea prophesied about, I am here, your husband. Let's party. Let's celebrate. Let's essentially, this will freak some of you guys out, let's get married. Let's have a wedding. This is a stunning and a glorious and somewhat unexpected to the listeners. In other words, Jesus is saying, you just can't fast now, guys. In this situation, it's far too happy, spectacular, it's exhilarating. Fasting is for times of yearning and aching and longing. But the bridegroom of Israel is here. I am here, Jesus is saying. Thousands of years of dreaming and hoping and waiting has in a moment come to an end. (laughs) Oh, to be alive in that day? Come on. They will fast. Not now, but they will. It's funny that Jesus didn't say in the Gospels, if you fast. He said, when you fast. He didn't kind of put a clause in there and say, you know, if you so choose. Jesus was very uh, clear. He was very clear in the fact that you will fast. And when you fast, you should fast like this. So what's the argument about? What's the debacle about? Jesus with certainty and clarity states 
that this will change when the bridegroom is taken away. Referring himself to the bridegroom was common, was common in Jesus' language. In Matthew 25, Jesus refers to himself as the delayed bridegroom, right? Come on, are you tracking with me? Whoop, 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 whoop. Okay, in John 3, 29, that was, you, that was me tuning you in. Are you tuning yourself? It's just like, uh, in John 3, 29, he's the bridegroom that has a bride. Even the writings uh, uh, inspired by the apostles, we find references uh, to the bridegroom and his relationship to the bride, which is the church himself, which is us here today. Again, just... To drive this nail home, unfortunately, there is a large group of the church today, maybe even some among us, and I don't say this to guilt or to, you know, um, uh, you know, against or whatever, to condemn, but there's a large portion of the body of Christ who believes that, that Jesus was f- uh, uh, referring to the several days between his, his death and resurrection. But, but I, I find this very unlikely because we see... The signs of fasting in the early church, do we not? We see that in Acts 13, 1, in, in, in Acts 3, 14, 23, in 2 Corinthians 6, 5, we see in the early church that, that, that fasting was a regular practice, a regularly practiced amongst the early church, amongst the people. And so I find that Jesus just kind of saying these words for the time, the brief moment between his death and resurrection are, are so unlikely. And then to go a little bit further, when Jesus says, when you fast, he didn't say, if you fast. He was very clear, and even in this passage, is very clear that they will fast. Not now, but they will. They, who's they? So important to this text, and it's even more important to the larger story here. They is so important. It's so important. I can't, uh, I, there's so much I want to say about just that little word, them. I can't because it would scare you. You know, I call fasting kind of like the works, you know, kind of like faith without works is dead. I, can't, I, I find that fasting kind of falls under the many-tiered kind of, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, the works of evangelism, the works of this, the works of that, the works of fasting kind of falls under that, char- uh, that category for me. And, 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 and what I'm trying to say is, without it, I believe our faith is dead. And it's not just our faith that God will move mountains or God will do the impossible. It's our faith in Christ. You, are you, are you, you feeling me today? Some of you are. And so without, I I really do, and I think that this is what Jesus is saying, not entirely, but close, very close, is he's saying the natural response of them, his people, will be that they will fast when I am gone. It will be natural. It will almost be like us clothing ourselves. you got to put clothes on, hallelujah. It's, it's a good thing. Cover yourself. Glory to God. Well, much like that, fasting should be a natural uh, outflow, if you would, of the Christian experience, according to the word Jesus, words of Jesus, where he says, they will fast. Not now. We're going to party. But when I'm taken away, when I'm absent, oh, my people will fast. My people will give themselves. To fasting. 
Matthew 25, 1 through 13, again, Jesus pictures his second coming as the arrival of the bridegroom, just speaking a little bit more into that word bridegroom. Um, other words, the other, in other words, excuse me, the bridegroom is taken away until the second coming of Christ. In the Gospels of Jesus, in the Gospels, Jesus often refers himself as the bridegroom in regards to his return. Let me say that again. In the Gospels, Jesus often refers himself to the bridegroom in context to his return, his coming. And behind these pictures of Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as his bride is the rich tradition of Jewish marriage custom. It makes tons of sense to them. Although maybe thousands of years now where we are today, some guys break out in hives. You know, they're like, bridegroom, I'm married to Jesus. And listen, this is an absence of Jesus, but just speaking a little bit further, speaking into this also because, you know, obviously the spirit dwells within us. But much like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 8, he said, we would prefer to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, in this age, in this world now, there is an ache, there is a longing, there is a homesickness, a feeling of like, ah, inside every Christian that Jesus is not here as fully and intimately and as powerfully and as gloriously as we want him to be. There comes the ache of our fasting. There comes the long, unless you're so comfortable and laxed in this age. But listen, if you have a real raw Jesus come in your spirit, where like Paul, you find yourself, I I would rather be absent from this body and present with Christ Oh, it makes so much sense that the only correct response in that ache and in that longing is fasting. Jesus is, through his spirit, dwelling inside of man. But if you've tasted of his goodness, then the only response is, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. So I'd encourage you to make your own conclusions or come to your own conclusions. But I would submit to you that Jesus is talking about a fasting that has in and of itself a deep longing at the core, the center of every believer. And that deep longing should remain there, should be there, should be present. It is normal until the day he returns. My people will fast when I am gone. Jesus would go further to explain this. As some of us know, that old kind of mysterious um, verses of wineskin, old wineskin and, 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 and cloth and new cloth and new clothing comes into play. He wouldn't stop there to explain it. And the new cloth and the new wine represents a new reality that has come with Jesus and the kingdom of God. The bridegroom has come. The Messiah is in our midst. And it is not merely temporarily, or temporary, sorry, but he is not 
merely just here in the Gospels and then gone in the next. The kingdom of God did not come. And then Jesus, when he left, it vanished. It is still present. It's still here. But that's the context in which the question was asked. The context in which the question was asked is our lies in, in and of itself and in and of its definition, an Old Testament type of context or thinking. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Uh, something new is happening. I'm here. I, I, I the bridegroom, is, I, I'm here. And now our fasting needs to change. Our fasting no longer is or has the feelings of of mourning and longing because I am present and and I am, am coming to abolish sin. I'm coming once and for all to finish it. And so now our fast is something of where we tasted and seen the redemption and the saving power of Jesus Christ. And now our fasting is one that takes on the uh, shape of return, Jesus. Come again. Come again. Yes, it's, it's, it's mingled with longing and desperation. But at the core of it, it's not something that we haven't tasted because in Christ, we've tasted everything. But our fasting now is the longing of Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Uh, again, unless you're comfortable in this world. Unless you have made this place your home, unless you are at ease with your nine to five and your nice pretty houses and and life is usual, unless you have found a home here. But we know what? The Bible has called us what to be foreigners. We are merely but passing by. And what should control or what should lead us in our fast is that ache of his return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Jesus died for our sins once and for all. He rose from the dead once and for all. The Spirit was sent into the world as real, as the real presence, excuse me, of Jesus among us. The kingdom is the reigning power of Christ in the world, subduing hearts, guys, even now. Even today, Jesus is at work. You understand? Old Testament fasting was done because they were longing for the Messiah to come. The Messiah has come. So we no longer can hold that old wine and old wineskins. We can no longer, Jesus is saying, I've always seen that scripture hijacked, you know, in the charismatic circles where it's like, oh, you know, God's doing a new thing. You know, brother, you better step out of the way. Your old wineskin. That, that little Bill Clinton. It's a little Bill Clinton there. Sorry about that. Listen, some of you need this. That is not at all what this text is saying. What Jesus is saying is simply, listen. He's talking now to the disciples, asking the question. He's saying, listen, you cannot fast the way you did before. Some of us need to hear that. Because some of us are still trying to cleave to an old system, an old way. Even in our fasting and many other places, I'm guilty of it, just as the next. But our fasting much 
It's much different. Why? Because it takes on the light or it takes on uh, the resurrected Christ. Not the Christ who was being longed for and desired to come. But the resurrected one who had come, who had died, and who had been resurrected. <laughs> you go away. Jesus says that old wineskins cannot contain it. What is the old wineskin in context to the previous verses? What's needed to be new is the way we fast. The old way of fasting is not adequate enough in light of the resurrected Christ. In other words, the yearning and the longing and the ache of the old fasting was not based upon the glorious truth that the Messiah has come. Guys, come on. Break out of your, uh, your charisma. Just lock in. Lock in. Because I don't want to enter in this fast with a bunch of doomy, gloomy people who fast and, and, and cry out to God for things he's already done. Yeah. It's hard being a pastor. <laughs> the old way of fasting is not adequate. The, the Messiah has come. Fasting looks different. The mourning over sin and the yearning of danger was based, or was not, excuse me, based on the finished work of the Redeemer. The great revelation of himself and his grace and history. Because now, guys, the bridegroom has come. Can I read you something without you getting lost? I've read a lot to you, but this is actually somebody else's take on the scripture. What's new about fasting is that it rests on the finished work of the cross. The yearning that we feel for revival or awakening or deliverance from corruption is not merely long, it's not merely, excuse me, a longing or an aching. The first fruits of what we long for has already come in Christ. That's going to be hard for some of you. And, and my, my fear is that it just went over your head. The down payment of what we yearn for has already been paid. The fullness that we are longing for and fasting for has appeared in history and his name is Jesus and they behold or beheld his glory. We have tested the powers of this age to come and our new fasting is not because we are hungry for something we have not tasted. Listen to me closely. Some of the leaders in the house of prayer need to hear this. I need to hear this. I'm going to read it again. For the powers that we have tasted in this age, in the age to come, of our new fasting is not because we are hungry for something we have not tasted, but because the new wine of Christ's presence is so real and so satisfying. The newness of our fasting is this. 
Its intensity comes not because we have never tasted the wine of Christ's presence, but because we have tasted. And it is so wonderful. By His Spirit, and cannot now be satisfied until the consummation of joy or Jesus arrives. We must have all he promised, as much as now as possible. You know, I'm all for crying out to God for revival, crying out to God for this and that, but the, the reason we do is because we've already tasted it's not because it hasn't yet or we don't read about it or seen it in history. It's because we've come so close. And we said, oh, this is so fulfilling. This is so satisfying. Oh, if we could just live here. Begets or in there we become or we result or we come to just God we have to fast that ache we have to have this on a regular basis it's not because it's absence it's because we've tasted it it's because it's here and now and maybe just maybe our eyes and our hearts are not open or aware of it because we've become satisfied we've become all right with just living in this world we've become untouched by the dangers of, of being comfortable with life and being comfortable with a bank account and being comfortable with relationships and being comfortable with our spouses and being comfortable. Let's just be comfortable. But you understand, we're just to pass through. We're, we're just to consider this here right now as, as, as kind of a moment And because we've tasted it, we ache and we long to live in the constant, to live in what we've tasted. So our fasting needs to change. And our fasting, or in this fast, I pray that our fasting becomes um, joined to the finished work of Christ. That, that, that we're not reaching in our prayers for things that, uh, that Jesus has already done. And, and we become, uh, you know, you don't want to hear people like that. You just, you just, just be quiet. Don't pray that. Be, just stop praying, please. We have to understand Jesus did a lot upon that tree. And when we go into this fast, my hope, is that we fast not in an Old Testament doom and gloom type of way, but we fast under the banner of uh, the joy of the finished work of the cross and what Jesus has provided for us. Is that all right? So they will fast. Guys, you understand the only danger, there's a heavy here. The only danger is if you're counted amongst them. 
<laughs> Let me say that again. The, I love Scripture. If you're counted amongst them, then you will fast. Because Jesus is not commanding here in this text. He's not saying, they will, or I will get them. He is prophesying. He's foretelling the future. He's saying, oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't, you won't fast now because we're a party now. I'm here. Jesus, the bridegroom, one that Isaiah spoke about. Bop. Hello. And, but the time will come. The days will come when they will fast. Are you, they, are you, them? See, the real issue is over salvation. <laughs> oh, boom. That, whoa, that just... It's a whole, I know, you're like, what is he talking about? Read the text. If the natural response of them is that they will fast, are you them? The larger issue is connected to that. Are you them? Are you those people? I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I couldn't flash in a bunch of charismatic hype and, you know, kind of yell and take scripture way out of context but the real issue laughing aside guys the real issue is are you them are you those people that Jesus was not commanding but prophesying about that they will fast when I'm gone they will fast when I see it's normal it's natural I, I, I love Christians who come in and say, well that's not New Testament You know, that, I just want to say that's connected to a larger issue. And it's just not the issue of rather this particular subject is New Testament or not. It's an issue of, are you them? <laughs> I didn't say it. Jesus did. With that, guys, we're going to have many discussions and many conversation about fasting. But let's start off on a good solid ground and let's jump into this fast with joy I don't know if I can do that but can we take communion Will could you come to the piano and give us the blood of Jesus song let's go can we move this table